0: We all need a shot of encouragement to keep us going. A new beginning with Greg Laurie is sure to help in your journey of faith. Hear it twice daily. Details at vision.org.au Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision
1: Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective 2020 on Vision We are in the deep end today with a conversation that sounds, for some, to be very divisive. There are human beings who may have a remarkable intellect and yet could be described as stupid, and others who are intellectually quite dull, yet they are anything but stupid. You may be surprised that one of the greatest Christian thinkers of the last century wrote a theory of stupidity the German Lutheran pastor and theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who's so well known, was arrested for being part of a conspiracy to overthrow Adolf Hitler. Now, Bonhoeffer was himself executed in a concentration camp just two weeks before the end of the Second World War. His story is one of the great conundrums that Christians wrestle with. Should a Christian have been involved in a plot to kill Hitler or stand by idly by while the killing of millions continued. well, One of Bonhoeffer's theories is that stupid people are more dangerous than evil ones. Bonhoeffer said, against stupidity we are defenceless. When reason falls on deaf ears, facts are not believed, they are pushed aside, and a stupid person becomes dangerous by going on the attack. We're talking about the theory of stupidity today with special guest, sociologist Dr. Sam Hay. Sam is a sessional lecturer at Christian Heritage College and Alpha Crucis College. He's also an authority on big churches as the author of the book called Mega Churches. Sam Hay, a special welcome back to 2020. Thanks, Neil. It's great
2: to be with you again.
1: Sam, when we mention that name, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, there's going to be some listeners who are saying, well, I've never heard that name before, and uh, they heard me say he's famous because he was a part of a conspiracy plot to overthrow Adolf Hitler. He got caught out, was put in a concentration camp, and ultimately he was executed because of his faith position. There is a certain sense here in which we're talking about one of the great martyrs of the Christian church of this past century. But I wonder if you've got any thoughts here about why Bonhoeffer is so famous and why he figures highly in the thinking of people when they're talking about the things he writes
2: about. Certainly you're right to call Bonhoeffer significant and famous in that he wrote many great books and uh, many great insights. He was the uh, son of a professor of psychiatry and neurology at Berlin and one of the leading thinkers of his time but he believed very much that you needed to put your thought into practice so when he travelled to America and England and heard there were troubles back in Germany in uh, the 1930s leading up to World War II he felt that he had to put his uh, commitments and his faith into practice so he went back to Germany and he took a stand against Hitler at the time and a stand for the churches and he realised there was a cost to play And it strikes me that often good thinking, clear thinking can have a cost to pay. And I feel for our listeners out there at times that there will be times when they've stood up for what is true, what is right, and they've paid a cost. And Bonhoeffer, Is an example of that, uh, but he's also an example of someone who's written down his thoughts so that we can still read them today and they can have an impact on our lives today. It's one of those big
1: questions uh, that a lot of uh, students of the Scriptures and ministry really get challenged with because here was a Christian pastor, a man of God, who decided that he would be involved in a conspiracy to kill Adolf Hitler. So you've got this sort of You know, thou shalt not murder coming uh, through your mind as you're reminded of the Ten Commandments. And here was the opposite side of that. Uh, Sit by and let the Nazis kill millions... Uh, instead uh, this is one of the big challenges and we won't spend a lot of time talking about this but he was right in the middle of a
2: very very challenging time especially under the Nazis and certainly he took a stand in terms of ethics he gave a lot of thought to ethics and he realised that at times you can keep quiet at times you can just let things go but at times you have to think more deeply ethically about what's going on and in the times leading up to uh, Hitler's rise to power he realised there's a lot of ethical questions being um, raised here. And one of the uh, questions was, should they let uh, Hitler continue? And uh, he felt he had to take a stand. And so I think it's important to realise that thinking is not just about knowledge, it's about ethics and action. And Bonhoeffer is a great example of someone who thought ethically, we've got to do what is right and good for all people. And he drew that from his understanding of the Bible and his understanding of Jesus. And he said, we've got to be Bible-centered and Jesus-centered in our understanding of what is true and right. And in Jesus, there's an example of one who stood up for what is right and true and also paid a high cost for what is right and true. Let me ask you some
1: hard ones here. Uh, Is there a lesser of two evils that Bonhoeffer chose in being involved in the plot to overthrow Hitler or uh, is there just uh, is there one right and one wrong uh, because it
2: seemed to be that there were
1: both both sides had some evil in there
2: I, I think bonhoeffer was focused on good rather than the lesser of two evils that he is he realized that there was a good world ahead and uh, that he was taking steps towards that good world
1: okay that's a really good response hey
2: stupidity
1: as an enemy of the good Because there's going to be lots of thoughts going around in listeners' minds and we might be cautious about what we call stupid because there is a certain sense in which someone might say that uh, Sam and Neil, uh, you're the stupid ones here. So uh, we want to be able to sort of bring about something of a biblical foundation as well to how we might assess what stupid is. But in Bonhoeffer's opinion, in his theory of stupidity, stupidity is an enemy of the good. And he wrote that one may protest against evil, it can be exposed, and if need be, prevented by the use of force. Uh, He went on to say the impression one gains is not so much that stupidity is a congenital defect, but that under certain circumstances people are made stupid or that they allow this to happen to them. So some people will be thinking there's some elements in our society today uh, where people are entering into what we might even call a stupidity because they're ignoring scientific facts. They're ignoring uh, some of those sort of principles that we as Christians might say undergird truth and reality. Uh, There's a sense here in which, uh, you know, you can be led into stupidity
2: very easily. Any thoughts here, Sam? Yes, certainly there is a danger in groupthink, that is, if others in a group make a certain decision, people will do silly things. And so if people dive into a dangerous piece of water, if people swim uh, where they shouldn't be swimming, people will take confidence in that and enter. So one type of stupidity is groupthink. Another type of stupidity is pursuit of the new. So some people will just do stupid things, say stupid things because they want to be different and they want to pursue the new. Another type of stupidity pursues sensationalism. Sometimes people know what they're doing and saying can be quite wrong and costly and dangerous. And yet they'll do that because they want to be sensational. And we see that with uh, YouTube clips and uh, other dangerous activities there. And I think even World War II and Hitler and uh, even wars at the moment, um, uh, people are motivated by lots of subconscious uh, reasons and emotions for thinking, and the Bible gives us answers to these. That is, Jesus warned against the stupidities of his time, and uh, each book of the Bible warns against um, people's activity, because we believe in a God who is good, who gives absolute truth, and he gives the answer to people who pursue stupid uh, actions and thoughts and uh, life choices. So Matthew 24, Jesus warns,
1: take care that no one deceives you. So you've got deception as one of those things we might identify today as pursuing stupidity. And Bonhoeffer said, uh, this stupidity has the opportunity to infect a large part of humankind. Uh, The infectiousness of stupidity, Sam, Uh, I guess you could get infectious with truth, but you could also get infectious with the alternatives. You
2: certainly groupthink, again, is the danger. That is, if others are uh, acting in a certain way, just like a virus can spread, we can catch uh, the thoughts of others. And so it's important that people learn to think as individuals. But at the same time, we need to recognize an individual in isolation is not going to have many ideas. It's important that when we do think as individuals that we have information and that we connect with the right people, with the right resources, with the right books. But also we connect with the ultimate source of all truth. And Christians believe that we can have a connection with the ultimate source of all truth. And that can come through conscience That is, uh, we can be amongst a group of people who are saying, let's make this, but our conscience can go off inside and say, hey, this is just not right. And we also have the Spirit of God that can be speaking to us, and we get a sense, hey, this is not right. And I think that's a warning that we need to take some more time, to work things through, to talk things through. So uh, um, today we're not only talking about sources of stupidity, we're also talking about the answers that we have in God, in our conscience, in the Word of God, and in other sources that we have available to us. You know, when you
1: bring conscience in there, Sam, conscience seems to be that thing that uh, sparks our initial uh, dis-ease with the things that we might be hearing. But isn't our conscience in some sense, shaped too by the sort of environment that we're raised in. I mean, here we are raised in Australia, a Western nation, some Christian foundations in all of that. So our conscience may well be shaped by our Western thinking, our Christian thinking. And yet others might have a conscience that's being shaped by their atheism or their you know, they're ascribing to some of the modern ideologies that we're often talking about on this program.
2: Conscience is important here, and and you're saying that, God can speak to you through your conscience. Certainly there's a considerable debate by scholars about the nature of conscience and that there is the awareness that there is a conscience that comes through culture. At the same time there's a recognition that culture pursues higher forms of consciousness and this raises the question why and where does that come from and many have pointed out there seems to be uh, ultimate realities in conscience and then there are other scholars who point out there is also a sense of consciousness that we have that goes beyond culture, and it recognises that this is wrong for all time, and that this is right for all time. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson, a biblical perspective on life, culture, and current events.
1: Our special guest this hour is Dr. Sam Hay, sociologist, and talking through a theory of stupidity that was introduced by Dietrich Bonhoeffer who was uh, one of those real amazing characters, a Lutheran pastor uh, from just uh, lost his life just two weeks before the end of the Second World War. Inviting listeners to join our conversation on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. 316 316 Sam, before we move into some other areas, let's take some calls. Let's hear from Sean in Underwood in Queensland. Hi, Sean. Welcome. Good morning, Neil. Good morning, guys. Sean, Um, good morning to you. What are your thoughts?
3: Um... I've listened to uh, and read a little bit about Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, an amazing man uh, was very challenged by his thoughts of what the Lord would have him do. Um, and I remember the folks on the family did a dramatisation of his life and a quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer just before he died was, he said, is it enough that as a Christian if I see a drunk driver going past, should I just pray for the people that he runs over and hurts or maims, or even kills? Or as a Christian, should I arrest the wheel from the drink driver to save that and to save that drink driver or just stop that accident or people are actually getting hurt? And he was very challenged, which challenged me as well because then I think, our Lord speaks of that there's a time for war, there's a time for peace. He didn't say the i time to go to war, but he said there is a time for war and a time for peace. And we are challenged every time, but we've always got to go back to our Lord.
1: Fabulous stuff. Uh, Sean, thank you so much yeah. for that. Let's get a response. Uh, Sam, what are your thoughts for Sean?
2: Certainly, uh, I like this, Sean, the way in which you point out Bonhoeffer's emphasis on uh, action. And uh, Mark Knoll, when he talked about uh, the challenge of the evangelical mind, he uh, uh, wrote about the way in which uh, evangelicals and Christians are often quite quiet when we do need to stand up more because all around us there are people who are being maimed and hurt just like drunk drivers going around. And I think even um, in our earlier conversations today, Christians are wanting to warn of the dangers that can occur, when politicians make decisions, when leaders make decisions that are not necessarily healthy or good or helpful um, to people. And so I think we have uh, a duty to speak up.
1: Wonderful stuff. And Sean, uh, just to reiterate in some sense what Sam delivered, uh, which I thought was profoundly wise when you're talking about the choice of the lesser of two evils as Sam you wonderfully turned around and you said this was a choice of which good and so Sean thank you so much for your call 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation let's take another call Chris is in Melbourne hi Chris
3: uh, Neil, and I, guess, yeah, I don't know if I'm listening and getting the right track but uh, it's Psalm uh, once says the fool has said in his heart there is no God so You can have people of great intellect like Stephen Hawking and other people like Christopher Hitchens or even, you know, great politicians that, uh, you know, according to God's word, if they don't um, uh,
1: listen to God's word and go by his wisdom, then they're fools. Fabulous insight. Sam?
2: Uh, Yeah, I think one of the real dangers of saying that there is no God, are you saying that there is no ultimate, that there is no ultimate good, that there is uh, no evil, that there's so many other things packed in with that statement that there is no God. So you raise a very important point there. Chris, wonderful point to raise because
1: this really is one of the things that as listeners to this program, uh, when you hear us talking about God, if you're hearing us talking of focus on Jesus, the Son of God, The reason why you might read the Bible, God's revelation to us, because if there is a God, then his word speaks definitely into our circumstance and even changes everything about us. If you all of a sudden say there is no God, really, you're out on a limb. You're out in the middle of uh, just being swept along by any thought. Really,
2: having God in the center of our lives, Sam, this is the best starting point. And certainly it makes a difference when we read the Bible. That is, we're not just reading words that are isolated from their context. We're reading words as we dialogue with the living God who speaks to us at the same time. Anyway, thank you so much to Chris in Melbourne. Our
1: talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. And while we're not specifically talking into any of the big agendas at the moment where we might identify that this stupidity has taken over let me just name some of the big woke agendas and I'll get a thought or two from you Sam although we won't get into the details in some of these unless you really want to but the big woke agendas uh, where the supporters uh, claim uh, that they are uh, you know the the elite uh, level and a little bit smarter than everyone else, The LGBT issues, the trans agenda, and we've been hearing about women in sport, the Extinction Rebellion movement, the Black Lives Matter movement, which had at its base that cultural Marxism, the climate change alarmism that we all are subjected to, attacks against white privilege, mandates, uh, even on the vaccines that so many of us took uh, quite happily. Uh, people needed to be forced to go along with, in some sense, you might say, wokists. So there are a lot of different areas, and you know you might disagree with some of those sorts of things, but Sam, there's a lot of big agenda issues, and there would be a, a godly position uh, that might say, the truth is we want to maintain Freedom of conscience, uh, freedom of speech, these things that we'd say are God-given, and somehow or other we're quick to give them up because somebody came up with a great idea about uh, Extinction Rebellion or uh, Black Lives Matter or those sorts of things. Uh, Any thoughts here?
2: I think uh, certainly there is a danger um, that leads to stupidity when we oversimplify and I think uh, on all sides there's a real danger when the discussion about sexuality is oversimplified. That is every case is different, every person is different and uh, also there's a a danger, Jesus pointed out the importance of love and the importance of care and there is a danger when people are just talking about facts and talking about generalities when they're not considering the specific needs of each person and uh, The love that God has
1: for each person. Uh, This gets very deep and it is quite a significant topic to get into because in all of those different aspects, uh, that wokeism that we mentioned, uh, you've got minorities who may well be encouraged into revenge because uh, determining who is a victim and who is a perpetrator is a part of all of that and it promotes division, it promotes unfairness. It promotes discrimination, even racism. The enforcement is everything and including to the point of violence. So unless you get an idea here and uh, an amazing theory, this theory of stupidity, one that helps us to focus on what's stupid and how do we stop ourselves from being stupid, this is an important one to talk about. Sam Hay is our guest, Dr. Sam Hay. Uh, Let's talk about revenge here because revenge can take lots of different forms. If you're in one of those woke agendas that I was mentioning just before the news, and uh, listeners might say, well, I agree with some of those and I don't agree with the rest of them. But usually with the woke agenda, someone is made a victim and someone is the perpetrator. And you can choose any of those and you can sort of say someone's a victim, someone's a perpetrator. The victims then need to get revenge on the perpetrators, What can we think about uh, so far as maybe a Christian way to look at the
2: sorts of things we're discussing in, in relation to stupidity? I think Christianity offers something quite different to uh, just complaining or just seeking uh, revenge. Uh, Christianity Genesis 1 reminds us that God makes a good world and so uh, rather than getting caught up with complaining or revenge, if you realise that God still has good intentions for his world and his people but Genesis 3 reminds us that there are fallen people out there and then the rest of uh, Genesis and the Bible reminds us that God restores, that there is uh, hope. I think the great message of Christianity is that there is better life, better hope, rather than uh, just uh, revenge. And uh, people, whatever woke uh, group or agenda they're involved in, need to think about their motivations. And uh, you'd rather be a Christian in one of those groups than be someone just driven by revenge, because Christianity is driven by love hope, grace, um, belief in a better world to come. And uh, one of the the dangers with stupidity is when uh, we just focus on what we can see in the immediate and react to it. Um, One of the beauties of Christianity is when it opens up the possibility of seeing God's great hope for the future. And of course, when you say woke agendas, really
1: what you're talking about here is things that are typically anti-Christian. Uh, there's usually uh, Christians in the sights of people who hold to these woke agendas. And perhaps it's because... They hold to those because of what we were talking about a little earlier. If you don't believe there is a God who you are accountable to, uh, then anything goes and you get caught into uh, the undercurrents that might lead you in all sorts of directions. But there's a simplistic response that might be a Christian response here, and that's the thought, just turn the other cheek. Just let it all happen and turn the other cheek. Sam, is that good enough?
2: I think we see from Jesus that he didn't turn the other cheek. He took a stand with the... um Pharisees and Sadducees at the time. And then also when it came to the Romans, he taught about the kingdom of God. But at the same time, they showed a coin uh, to Jesus and uh, said um, uh, about paying tax. And he said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, but give to God what is God. And so there's the recognition that our governments have a role to play. But there is a recognition for Jesus and for us that there's much bigger agendas taking place here. And and so we need to be aware of uh, those. And we need to be aware of the importance of uh, taking action at times like Jesus and Paul And Bonhoeffer did.
1: You know, uh, giving unto Caesar what is Caesar's and rendering unto God what is God's, that actually is so powerful even today, isn't it, Sam? Because uh, when the woke person comes and says, you must comply with our new ideals, uh, our ideology says this is right and uh, we're intelligent, we're more intelligent than you and you must now comply – rendering unto Caesar what is Caesar's, rendering unto God what is God's actually puts God in a very special place doesn't it? Well
2: it does and one example you mentioned before was the Black Lives Matter and I think that's a godly statement but if you then take that godly statement that God cares for black people and turn it into it's only black people that he cares for or turn it other ways then you're missing out on God's agenda for a gender of people and humans and I think that's where stupidity can come in is that when we allow people's agendas and human agendas to replace God's agendas. Sam,
1: I can't help but thinking even as we're having this sort of conversation about how important it will be in the debates around all of these things that are continuing on to bring the Christian viewpoint in, even if people somehow rather think that it's uh you know it's not kosher, it's not uh you know not popular to have a Christian viewpoint. There is a sense here in which if you take a Jesus position in all of this, which isn't at any way uh, limp-wristed and soft and, you know, sort of uh, touchy-feely, uh, this is a powerful impact that the Christian can have in these sorts of debates.
2: Uh, certainly. And the Christian viewpoint has stood the test of time of 2000 years. It's like gold that stands and uh, doesn't uh, um, lose its value. And uh, Christian viewpoint is also very rich in that the scriptures give us uh, the revelation of God through the time of Moses, King David, Jesus, uh, Paul. And so these truths that have st- stood the test of time still have uh, a lot to uh, say to us today. Um, yeah, so I think we need that. Let's take another
1: call. An anonymous caller from South Australia. Hello, welcome along.
3: Oh, hello. It just All this reminds me very much of that old story. Do you remember the king who walked naked through the street because you had to have enlightened eyes to see the beautiful gown he was wearing?
1: Yes.
3: And it was a little child who... Piped up and said, "But he's naked."
1: Yes, the emperor's that story? the emperor's clothes, the emperor's- and uh, yes. yes, it was. It's an amazing story. And when you've got uh, the, and we talk about the woke agenda, and uh, it should be very general about that, uh, that will tell you that the emperor has beautiful clothes on. Sam. Sometimes it takes just the intellect of a small child to point out the reality, as our listener is saying.
2: And certainly children can often see things that are eternally true, whereas adults can sometimes get swept along by the fads of their time. And that's a great reminder of that. So thank you.
1: Thank you so much to that caller. Our talkback line open on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. 316 316 But Sam, if you've got a victim and a perpetrator, and it could be across any of those uh, woke fads that we're talking about here, uh, there are uh, obviously issues around this revenge or the enforcement of your woke agenda. Uh, What about ways that Christians can actually be effective in standing up against a a woke agenda or an an agenda that actually wants to take revenge and to
2: suppress and uh, to put you down? I think certainly um, groups can be... difficult and disastrous, but they can also be very helpful. So I think it's important that we have people around us that we can engage with and people who are willing to speak back. So if we're part of a group who are getting worked up about an issue, we also want plenty around us who will speak in, as you mentioned before, about a child. We need people of different age, different background. The greater the diversity with a group of people, the more likely it is to be a healthy group of people. The more open we are to a diversity of viewpoints without giving up our core truths and commitment and commitment to action, the more likely we are to end up with uh, right decisions. like a tripod. If you have a tripod with just one leg, then it's not going to be very stable. But if you have a tripod with uh, three legs or more and they're spread out, it's that diversity that gives it stability and strength. So I think we need uh, to acknowledge diversity and be open diversity of viewpoints. Diversity of viewpoints there. Hey, Sam,
1: groupthink. Uh, this is one of those things, I guess, that is driving some of the agendas on the woke agenda side. But groupthink in itself is not necessarily evil, is it? Because it really means there's people getting together and thinking in common, but developing the group thought, that might be the challenging uh, and uh, important thing to talk about. What are your thoughts around group think? Certainly
2: there's groupthink that works well where people are open uh, to a diversity of viewpoints and they create a safe space where people can speak up and say, uh, I differ in my views. But groupthink can also be um, a problem where people simply surrender to the group and they get a lot of courage, lion-hearted courage from their sense of uh, surrender to the group as well. So groupthink can be useful but groupthink can also have difficulties as well. Uh, Let me give you the, uh, the, the words of Dietrich
1: Bonhoeffer, who wrote really the remedy, the cure for stupidity. Now, this might be an important element of our conversation. I'll get your thoughts here, Sam. Bonhoeffer wrote, The Bible's words that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom teaches us that a person's inward liberation from foolishness and decision to live responsibly and intelligently before God is the only real cure to stupidity. Uh, Thoughts here, Sam? The only cure to stupidity,
2: the fear of the Lord. I think the fear of the Lord reminds us of how much God knows and how little we know. And so in any individual decision, I think it's important to uh, not be. And stupidity comes when uh, we feel we have a huge amount of knowledge and we don't recognize that we have a very small amount of knowledge. And groups, too, need to recognize how limited uh, their knowledge can at times be. So I think Bonhoeffer's right with that biblical quote, certainly, Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so
1: any group think that ignores a biblical wisdom is actually missing something that uh, if it were brought into the mix of whatever group thinking was going on would essentially... uh, Uh, help to influence the way the group
2: might think. And humility would be so needed. That is, uh, humility recognises God is so big, he has so much good knowledge and he warns us of uh, the evils that can come into our world and our lives and our groups and he also has a hope that we can move beyond that with that uh, gospel message then we have an answer to the challenges that our world faces. Let's take another call.
1: Joan is in Woodenbong in New South Wales. Hello, Joan. Welcome.
3: Hello. Um, I'm walking through something for God to help me break free of something, but I'll just quote a scripture that supports that lady who spoke about the emperor and the child. Yep. The scripture is that the Lord takes the foolish to confound the wise.
1: (sighs) So you're making a very good point here, Joan, because sometimes, and I'll get Sam's thought on this, sometimes we think that just quoting a godly truth might sound too simplistic, even childlike wisdom, and yet it has a profound nature to it. Any thoughts here for Joan? And uh, she's reflecting on the, uh, the lady who called earlier.
2: Uh, the whole of the book of Corinthians reminds us of the way in which uh, the, what is called foolishness of God is in fact much, much greater than wisdom. Because wisdom often focuses on the limited that we know, whereas the foolishness of God is open to the immense knowledge that God has um, and the knowledge that's resident in children, resident in every person rather than just in the elite few. Joan, thank you so much for your call.
1: 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Stupidity, Sam, uh, considered by Bonhoeffer to be a... Dangerous enemy. Do we, uh, do we, if we take this too lightly, uh, we're running a big risk? What are your thoughts here? Because you've got to be able to discern what is sound and wise and what actually is stupid. Uh, Dangerous enemy, what are your
2: thoughts? Oh, certainly, I, I think uh, when we're overconfident, there's a number of types of stupidity. One type of uh, stupidity is overconfidence in your limited uh, knowledge. Um, another type of uh, stupidity is uh, ignorance of emotion, ignorance of other motives, ignorance of uh, um, ignorance of the truths of God is another type of stupidity as well. Let's take another call. Andrew is in Moree in New South
1: Wales. Hi, Andrew. Welcome. Good morning. How are you both today? Good, Andrew. What are your thoughts?
0: Um, I, yeah, just fascinated by the conversation. Um, I know when all the mandates and that, and I know you mentioned that um, earlier when we just see similar things and the way things can come about, um, I actually chose to read the book Bonhoeffer um, because of that reason, and I think... You know, we need to be educated in history just to be able to, you know, make informed decisions. I know a lot of the church did things very wrong uh, just going along with uh, what Hitler, you know, with uh, being involved with the church and so forth. And there were a lot of wrong decisions made. And I think we need to study history. We need to, I mean, even even looking at the similarities and methodology and propaganda and that that we see uh, that is put out today, uh, we just have to be educated, and yeah, it's, <laughs> stupidity probably can be seen as a strong word. But a lot of people will choose just to go along with mainstream. I know the Jews were classed, or you know, they were they were blamed for misinformation. Therefore, the you know Hitler then took over the the media. You you just see so many similarities in what we're seeing around today.
1: Andrew, fabulous insight. And uh, Sam, I know you love history. You are a student and a teacher of wonderful history, especially the history of the church. But a
2: thought or two here for Andrew? Certainly we see in Jesus' time that there were people like Herod who built nine or so palaces and he felt that he was doing wonderful things but Jesus warned that Herod really wasn't going to be effective in the long term and yet Jesus with a gentle message of love and hope and a willingness to go to the cross and suffer and die and be raised again by God he brought a much more transforming message and similar with Hitler and Bonhoeffer Bonhoeffer, have lost his life, but Hitler's uh, great reign really only lasted from 33 or 39 AD through to 45, so you've got about six or nine or so years um, for Hitler's uh, reign, and not a great deal of significance uh, that lasted, and yet Bonhoeffer's writings are still being read and changing people's lives today, so I think I'd rather invest in what God is building and doing with people like Bonhoeffer than in those who were creating evil like Hitler. And yet in that
1: short time of being the elite leader did an awful amount of damage. Mm. Uh, thank you so much to Andrew for your call. Let's take one more call. I think Carol is in Alumba in Cairns. Hello, Carol. Welcome. Oh, hello. Carol, what are your thoughts?
3: Um, I I agree with everything that's been said, um, but I'd just like to say that I think it's... Um Stupidity when um, people don't are not prepared to do research and research into you know even when you can see things that that has changed and it's not going in in a good direction. Um, like for instance, like for voting, I'm talking politically. When you're voting um, and they've always voted for the same party, mm-hmm. and and then when they see that um, that the party has changed changed and it's not for good but they continue to continue to vote even if they you know they'll agree with you yeah there's something wrong
1: carol uh, love your thoughts sam a response for carol
2: I think one of the uh, really surprising things at the last election is that more people were willing to try different ways of thinking and voting. And I really agree with what you say, uh, Carol, about the importance of research. I I love to teach students to research, and I really encourage people out there to do their research. Certainly, the internet gives us some capacity, uh, increased capacity for research. But at the same time, we need to be able to discern um, what is true, uh, what is reliable from that research. Carol thank you so
1: much for your wonderful contribution and Sam only a few minutes remaining for our conversation when you've got a group and you are thinking about having a position and it might even be you know a group within a church could be leaders in a church. Uh, could be groups that are a part of any of these sorts of agendas we've been talking about, those woke agendas. It does appear that while a group might come together for a good intention, they might have a good cause that they want to fight, Somebody within the group uh, may well push their way to the fore. They might be a particularly charismatic person, a charismatic leader that takes the group on a different direction than they actually started off. That person who uses the group to push their views. Any thoughts here about the way that sometimes groups can be hijacked
2: by individuals? I think a healthy group is one that encourages diversity, that encourages a safe space where all of the people can speak up. Sometimes you can do that by getting people to write down their thoughts and hand them in anonymous uh, to the people who are organising the group. Uh, Involving outside people to come in who don't have an agenda to push can be uh, very helpful. Um, And certainly having a servant attitude as Jesus and Paul did um, whereby we encourage every person to have a voice can be very helpful and at the same time uh, remembering that God is the one who has the ultimate contribution to make. I found
1: a scripture or two that deals with stupidity and it may be uh, the different versions of the Bible might have that word rendered differently but, uh, but let me just give you a, a, a two or three of those uh, from Proverbs chapter 12 verse 1. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but one who hates correction is stupid. Uh, Avoid stupidity by trusting God and not watering bitterness. There's a scripture there in Psalm 73 verses 21 and 22. When I became embittered and my inmost being was wounded, I was stupid and didn't understand. I was an unthinking animal toward you. Uh, That's uh, from the CSB version. And just one more uh, that says from Psalm 92, verses 6 and 7, a stupid person does not know, a fool does not understand this. Though the wicked sprout like grass and all evildoers flourish, they will be eternally destroyed. There is a certain hope Sam, in getting things right, in waiting on God and including him in your wisdom for how you think about all of these issues that our nation is facing, God at the center is going to make
2: a major difference. And we've briefly mentioned today Jesus and Herod. That is, Herod flourished. Um, And he was seen to be the great thriving leader at his time. But Jesus uh, preached the message of God. We've seen it with Bonhoeffer and Hitler. That is, Hitler appeared to flourish for a few years, built a huge army. But it's Bonhoeffer's writings that continue to bring life. And so it is with the word of God. People may deny the power of the word of God, but uh, God's word, the Bible, and his presence continue to bring change, transformation and hope and life to people today. Well,
1: Sam, wonderful engaging with you on a topic like this. Thank you so much for taking some time to come and share those thoughts with listeners today on 2020. Sam is a sessional lecturer at Christian Heritage College in Brisbane and Alpha Crucis College. I mentioned too, Sam, you are also the authority on big churches. Your book is called Mega Churches. And uh, mega churches continue to flourish all around the world, and uh, so I want to thank you so much. For listeners, want to get a hold of the mega churches book? I imagine you can find that at online booksellers. Just type in Sam Hay. Now you have the easiest name in the world to be able to spell Sam. It must have been so easy growing up. What's your name, Sam? Spell that. S A M. How do you spell your surname? H E Y. Sam
2: Hay. Uh, Sam, thanks so much for joining us today on Twenty Twenty. Thank you, Neil. And if people want to read some of the other things I've written, they can uh, Google Sam Hay, Megachurches, and some of the other material that I've written, or Facebook. Find me on Facebook too. Fabulous. Nice to hear from you, Sam. We'll talk again another day. Thanks for
0: taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.